Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Man, we had a uh, we had a crazy holiday season. We had a great holiday season. We hope you all did as well and we're excited to have you here as we're kind of kicking off a brand new series called The Stewardship uh, principle and uh, the stewardship is really one of those words that church people use quite a bit. Like if you've grown up around church, like you know the word stewardship. And most people who have grown up around church and use the word stewardship or steward or whatever it is automatically go, Here we go. We're doing a series about money. Okay, I guess I'll show up and listen. This is where the, the young pastor wants to tell us, hey, you're not giving enough money to the church. Go ahead and give us more money to make sure that we meet budget and all that stuff. And so if you're thinking that right now, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, actually, uh, just as a side note, just so everybody uh, in the congregation is aware, we had a very strong uh, last quarter financially. You'll hear more about that at our annual business meeting uh, on the 26th, and we ended uh, well into the black for the year. And so we are doing this. Yeah, I can just raise a round of applause. Um, so we are doing this series, but it isn't necessarily a reaction to anything. So I want you guys to, uh, to be aware of that. We're not saying, man, it was real close there at the end, so we better, uh, better do this. We're simply doing this because the Bible and God has called us to be good stewards of our things. And so our working definition will be as follows, and it's the one you just read in the bumper video that we showed. But our working definition of this series will be managing everything God brings into the believer's life in a manner that honors God and impacts eternity. In a manner that honors God and impacts eternity. We've been given a, uh, a life to manage well. We've been blessed by a big God. You know, whether we, we realize it or not, we've been blessed. Some have been blessed more than others. And I'm not saying that everything that is in your life is a blessing, um, but I am saying that we live in one of the most prosperous places and one of the most prosperous times in the entire history of the world. And so regardless if you're making minimum wage or if you're making far, far more than minimum wage, uh, we are incredibly, incredibly blessed. Uh, when I was growing up, I did grow up, grow up around church and that sort of thing, but when I grew up, uh, I never really learned about stewardship uh, specifically. I didn't know what it meant, and it was obvious I didn't know what it meant because by the, uh, the constant state of my room. Um, some of you are like, wait, what does your room have to do with money? Well, stewardship's not just money. Stewardship is our resources. So I was personally responsible for, for my room from, you know, whenever I was able to be personally responsible for my room and forward. And if you're me, you're thinking, mom, dad, you gave me the reins to my room way too soon. Uh, you should have really pulled those back. But my room from like junior high through high school was just a disaster. Anybody else in here like that, junior high? Not currently, currently, that people who's current, no. Uh, I, man, I, I just had like my, you know, I had a bed and I had a desk in my room and like those are the two things that I had in my room um, and, well, and, a, and, a, and a closet. And it didn't matter like when it was, it didn't matter like when my mom did laundry, it didn't matter like what day of the week it was, it didn't matter any of those things. My room was a disaster all the time. I mean, I'm a guy who I wake up and I don't make my bed in the morning still, much to my wife's chagrin, right? Like I didn't make my bed then. Like you look at my desk and it was just like 
30 water bottles sitting on my desk. Any, anybody in here like that? Or in your car, I know who you are, okay? Um, I'm the same way, uh, but you know, socks on the fan. I mean, it would clean your room, put everything in the closet, shut the door, shut the door, right? And, and, uh, and then you're good to go. But then what would happen is either I would get fed up by the state of my room or more likely than not, my parents would get fed up by the constant state of my room and then say, hey, you need to take care of that. And so what I would do is I would go in and taking care of my room wasn't just like, I'm gonna fold my clothes and put it away. No, taking care of my room was, I'm gonna pull everything out, get rid of all the stuff I don't need, rearrange my room to make it look more awesome, redecorate my room, take the posters out of the walls, put them back to where they're supposed to be, make sure they're level, right? And then put everything back away where it's supposed to go and then my room would be perfect. Okay, so, Take that analogy, and now let's think about how we steward our own lives. Because oftentimes that tends to be what happens, is rather than doing the day-to-day things in order to keep our house in order, our financial house, our calendars, our resources, whatever it is, to steward those things well, what we often do is we get to a point where we're like, you know what, I'm fed up, forget about it. Like my, my, the, the state of my house, the state of my finances, the state of my calendar, the state of all of those things is in completely and total disarray. I'm gonna download five new apps. I'm gonna go buy a day planner from Staples. I'm gonna get off of Facebook. I'm gonna do all the things that I'm supposed to. We're gonna reorganize everything in our house in order to make sure that we are stewarding things well. And you do, and you go through the nightmare, and you go through the headaches, and we go through all of those different things, only to find two weeks later that you're right back to the spot that you were before, just with less stuff, because you gave it all away, or threw it away. I may or may not have done that a week and a half ago, and my wife is still not very happy with me. (laughs) Um... But think about, like, that tends to be what we do in our lives regarding stewardship. Rather than doing the day-to-day simple things, the small steps necessary to keep it under control, we let it turn into a massive mess and then decide, all right, we're overhauling the whole thing. When the problem isn't the system that you put in place, the problem is, is that we haven't put systems in place. We haven't been following those systems in general. To illustrate uh, kind of stewardship further, I heard a story from another pastor um, about a woman who had finished her shopping and she returned to her car. And as she returned to her car, she noticed that there were four men sitting in her car. And so uh, she's a bold lady, believes in her Second Amendment rights, and so she pulled out a gun and forcefully said to the four men, get out of my car now before I shoot you. All four men had the proper response. They quickly exited the vehicle and started running away, right? And so the lady, obviously frazzled by this, she takes her gun, puts it away, puts all her groceries in the car, gets in the car, goes to start it, and wouldn't you know it, the woman realized it's not her car. (laughs) So she feels terrible about this whole thing, obviously. I mean, she had one of two options, feel terrible or just take the car. She felt terrible and she goes to the police station to tell the cops what had happened. And she tells the story and the police officer just starts cracking up. Like he just thinks this is the funniest thing in the world because he points over to the end of the counter where four men are reporting a little old lady with white hair who carjacked them in the parking lot of a grocery store. Yeah, 
She thought it was her car, but really it belonged to someone else. And so what we're going to be doing is trying to weave these two points together. One, the fact that in order to be good stewards of our lives, we need to make sure that we are doing the daily necessary things to steward our things well. And two, we need to recognize that just because we are in possession of something does not mean that it's actually ours. Those are the two things that we're kind of going to be driving at. Because the truth is about the blessings, the things that we have, is God owns it all. God owns every single piece of it. He owns that lady's car. He owns my bedroom. He owns my finances. He owns my calendar. He owns what I do with my kids when I get home from work. He owns how I spend my time on my phone. He owns what I watch on TV. He owns all of those things. All of these things are God's things. He owns it all. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the water. Everything is God's. Even your own body is God's. Everything is God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 tells us that. Do you want to know that your bodies are temples or do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you receive from God? You are not your own. Your body is God's. Everything is God's. Everything in the world is God's. When you go to a hotel, right, all the world travelers that you are, maybe over the uh, the, the holiday, you guys went and stayed with family and only stayed with family as long as you could, decided you're going to go get a hotel and not couch surf with anybody. And so when you go to a hotel, hotel may, you might give your bags to a bellhop, to a steward. It's a really nice hotel. I've never been in a hotel that does this. But maybe you make more money than I do and you can do these things. And you, you may hand them your stuff for a while. That, that is not their stuff. That, that is still your stuff. Their responsibility is to do their job while they are in possession of your stuff. So they should take your stuff, put it on a little cart, wheel it to an elevator, take it up to your room, put it in your room, put it wherever it is that it's supposed to be, and be done with it. And if they are a good, not even a good steward, if they're even an, an okay steward, all of your stuff should still be there. Everything, they, they were entrusted to your stuff for a matter of time. So what does that then say about our relationship to the owner and the stuff that's entrusted to us? See, God is the owner. We are merely the managers. We're the bellhops, if you will. Everything I have today comes from God. It's his. I own nothing. David said that the world and everything in it belongs to God. It's in Psalm 81. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that it's in it. I'm not the owner of the things of my life. You are not the owner of the things of your life. I'm merely the manager. We're merely the manager. If we believe that we are, we are the owners then we're constantly going to be in conflict with God over what I do with the things that I have. But when I understand that God is the owner, that the Lord is the owner, I am 
only the manager, the conflict disappears. And freedom should take over our lives in that. Because there's no longer a tension about what it is that you're supposed to do with your, with your stuff. Let's take, let's take an informal poll, okay? I want you, uh, and we're just going to see how far we've progressed in the first few minutes that we've spent together here, okay? I want, and, and I just want you to share this with your spouse. Let's say that you make $400. I know, you're rolling. $400, okay? I want you to now turn to your, the person you came with, spouse, friend, empty seat, whatever it may be, and I want you to tell them how much of that belongs to God. Go ahead, you do that real quick. Okay, I think you guys all got it right. If you said anything less than all of it, we'll talk later, because I'm not gonna rehash that. Okay? But a lot of us, especially those of us who've grown up in and around church, we automatically apply the tithing principle, right? A tithe is, is, is another word for 10%. So you think, okay, $400, $40 is God's. I'm going to give it to God. That's not how it works. That's not what scripture says. Maybe $40 is supposed to give away. Maybe it's more than $40. Maybe it's, I don't know. But what I will say is that that $400, all of it is God's. All of it belongs to God. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, it says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. The first half of that, verse 17, man, we're great at that. Look what I built. Look what I've done. Look at my business. Look at my home. Look at my new car. Look how busy and productive I can be. Look at all of these different things that I have. We are so good at verse 17. We are so good at verse 17. My power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Look what I've done. And in reality, none of it's yours. The blessing of God comes and goes, but our obedience needs to remain steadfast. None of it is yours. So since I'm not the owner of these things that I've been blessed with, since God is the owner of these things, and I'm the manager of God's things, I have a divine responsibility. I have a divine responsibility. He's trusted me with his property, and I have to learn to think then like his manager. How would a manager think? Maybe some of you guys are in management in some way. And if you're in management, yeah, you have, you have authority, but you are not the ultimate authority. There is still someone that you answer to. And even if you are at the top of a food chain in your business, there's usually still people above you called your board of directors who, man, if, if things got crazy, you're gone. And so whatever it is, like we have the ability to manage the things here, but, but we aren't the owners. So we don't get the final say. We are trusted with the day-to-day -day knowing the wishes of the owner, knowing the wishes of the president, knowing the wishes of the poor, whatever it is that you want to put into place there. Our responsibility is to act on behalf of the owner. 
That's the job of any good manager. And if you don't do that, you get in trouble. You get fired. You get let go. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But that's our responsibility. So what does, and that's what we need to decide here, what does God, the owner of our resources, the owner of our time, the owner of our money, what does God want? What does God, the owner, want? And so we're going to have a couple things for you as we go from here today. The first one is this. God, the owner, wants you to give abundantly. He wants you to give abundantly. And I want to make sure that as we're talking about this, you recognize that does money fall into this? Absolutely. We're going to be talking way more about money next week. And the following week, we're going to talk way more about time. But as we're talking about this, we're talking about all of your resources, not your paycheck, not just your calendar, everything, your home, your car, everything that you've been blessed with. That's what we're talking about, to give abundantly. You know, I, uh, I was a youth pastor for about 12 years, um, and I'll never forget, we, went, we, we, we took mission trips to Mexico fairly regularly in the second half of my tenure as a youth pastor, and we ran into a problem because uh, where we were, we couldn't get anybody to rent us vans to go into Mexico. And I can't say that's a poor business decision, it's a correct business, especially to youth, right? Why is there gum on this armrest? Um, so it's not a bad business decision on their part. And so the first year before we could find somebody to allow us to rent vans to take in, and I had to call parents. I was calling different people in the congregation to say, hey, look, we need a big car. And I'm not going to lie, it's going to be filled with smelly students, and we're going to take them into Mexico and on Mexico roads. Like, okay. So I got some immediate no's. <laughs> I got my favorite answer, which is, well... If nobody else does it, I'll be happy to do it. Uh, and then I got the answer that I'll never forget. It was from a sweet lady who said, well, that's why we bought our car. Absolutely. She gave abundantly. She recognized that she had a really nice car. It was a Suburban, leather seats. I actually decided to drive it. Shocker. And she was like, you know what? I bought this car in order to do ministry. Or a friend of mine who... Uh, he, he's a rich friend of mine, and um, he had a buddy of his who had bought a brand new quad, uh, not quad, razor, I don't know what they're, dune buggy, whatever, I don't speak that language, all of you are laughing at me right now, I don't speak that, something that rides on dirt. And uh, so he got, he, 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 he got that, and he, his buddy said, hey, look, I'm going to give this to you, I'll give it, not to me, to my friend, I'll give this to you. But the stipulation is that you have to use it for ministry purposes. I'll give it to you, free and clear. It's like a $20,000 machine, right? And he's like, you can completely and totally have it, but you need to make sure that you're using it for ministry purposes. And so as my buddy is telling me this story, I was like, bro, you shouldn't have told me that story. I'm going to call you every weekend for ministry purposes. <laughs> But that's what it's talking about, the idea of giving abundantly, because it's all God's in the first place. It's all God's in the first place. King David, he was, he was the most powerful man on earth at the time. He understood kind of this owner-manager relationship. And after receiving this massive offering, a tremendous offering, David responded to God in 1 Chronicles 24, 14. He said, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. 
and we've given you only what comes from your hand. See, David was thinking like a steward, a manager, not an owner. And God, everything came from you. Who are we? Everything came from your hand anyway. The next way that we should give is we should give sacrificially. Should give sacrificially. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 8.15, Paul tells, uh, ta- talks about the Macedonian Christians and their sacrificial giving. It's 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations. And they exceeded our expect. How could they give so generously while living in extreme poverty? How can you do that? See, they didn't see poverty as an exemption from giving. They didn't see hard times as an exemption to giving. They didn't see a loss of a job as an exemption to giving. They saw that all of this stuff was God's in the first place. And so regardless of what I actively have coming in, it is still my responsibility to give back. Regardless of how much free time I have or how busy I am all of a sudden, it is still my responsibility to give of my time, to give of my service. Regardless of how dirty my house is, it is still my responsibility to give of my home, to give of my resources. Regardless of how tight my bank account is right now, it is still my responsibility to give abundantly, give sacrificially. That's what this is talking about. And I know some of you are thinking like, man, I can't even cover the bills halfway through the month and now you're telling me you need to give more? And I wanna be clear here. As we're talking about giving specifically of your money, I'm not even necessarily talking about straight to the church. Like we'll cover tithing and we'll cover like the responsibility to the local church next week and that sort of thing. I'm just talking about giving. I'm just talking about being generous with the things that you have. This is a very basic love people principle because of the fact that you love God. We're just simply supposed to be generous with our things. So generous that we should indeed sacrifice those things. We live, like I said, in some of the greatest abundance in the history of the world. And we oftentimes still find excuses not to contribute, to not live generously. So we are called to live sacrificially. The next one is to give joyfully. Give joyfully. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver? It's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. God loves a cheerful giver. Joyful giving is actually a sign that those giving, the managers, understand the owner-manager relationship. They understand why it is we're supposed to, we're not supposed to give with gritted teeth and a clenched fist. Well, I'll give, but I don't like it. Keep it. That's not what I want. And if, if I went to my, my mom and said, hey, mom, can I borrow your car because ours broke down or whatever it may be? say, well, you can have it, but I'm not going to like it. Forget it. I'll find somebody else who's excited to give, who's excited to allow my children to destroy the interior of their car. Like, I'll, I'll find other people to do that, who are excited about that. We're supposed to give 
joyfully. Cheerful giving can only come from a heart set on things above, not on earthly things. You know, Colossians 3.1, God loves a cheerful giver because such givers are, are investing in heaven. We've been raised with Christ. We're supposed to set our things, our, our minds on things above. We should understand as managers that owner-manager relationship. That if I get too, too involved in the day-to-day, if I get too stressed out in the, the things of life, how am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to manage this? How is my money going to make it till the end of the month? How am I going to fit in meeting with more people and have more meetings and still have time for my How am I going to do all of these things? Stop. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. God loves a cheerful giver because those givers are investing in heaven. And that investment in heaven reaps eternal dividends, not temporal ones. In the Old Testament, there's a, a tabernacle being built. In that, in that moment, people got so caught up in the joy of, of that heavenly investment that they had to be restrained from giving more. Like they had to be pulled back from giving more. They just wanted to keep giving and giving and giving. Exodus, in Exodus 36. And it talks about that all the craftsmen who were doing all the work for all of the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. Let no, that's like me coming on stage and being like, look, stop giving, which I'll never say, but Moses did. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They were giving so generously that the leadership had to be like, look, we have too much. Like, we can't handle it. Like, stop giving us things. Stop giving in your abundance. But it wasn't just because of their abundance. They were so happy to do it. They just wanted to be involved. Like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Let's go. She was like, hey, chill out. You're too joyful right now. They had to be restrained. They were so excited about it. Moses had to get up and just say, hey, enough, enough already. And we give because everything is God's to begin with. Everything is God's to begin with. You know, scriptures teach us that both by mandate and by model, the scriptures say that we are to give abundantly, we are to give joyfully, we are to give sacrificially. But the question is, then why manage it well? Well, the answer to that is because we will indeed give an account. We need to manage well because God expects us to. We need to give well because God expect, expects us to. I am held accountable to God because he, as the owner, has expectations of the manager. In the same way that you are accountable to your boss, we are accountable to God. And it is a faithful obedience to his word, to practice, to the local church, that we are to manage our things well. And the owner has complete right to full disclosure of everything that's been done with his property, everything that's been done with his resources, Everything. I mean, just like in a couple weeks when we have our annual business meeting, right? 
Our constitution, I mean, it's consti- our, our constitution has congregational vote. And so we can't approve a budget. I can't go into my office by myself and just be like, all right, this is what we're going to, this is what everybody's going to give this year, whether they like it or not. It would be easier, but I'm accountable to all of you. And so as I am accountable to you, as you guys are the owners of this church, God's technically the owner of the church. And as some of you like theological alarm bells are going off in your head. But as you guys, as I am accountable to the congregation, just as I am accountable to God, I need to manage those things well. We need to manage those things well. And all of us are going to undergo some sort of job performance evaluation. Romans 14 tells us that. It's verses 10 to 12. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with, with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Every single one of us. That's not to preach fire and brimstone or anything. I'm talking about reality. And if you're a little bit nervous in the same way that you're nervous when your boss asks you to come into their office and grab a seat, like that's a good thing. That's accountability. Or you're nervous in the same way as you're sitting in a small group and, you know, the question gets posed, how did you feed your flesh this week? I'm nervous. Good. It's called accountability. That's what it is that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be accountable to one another. In the same way, beyond that, we will indeed be accountable to God when we get there. Every single one of us will be accountable to God with, with, for ourselves. And as we established earlier, even our bodies, every single piece of us belongs to God. And so because of that, we're going to be called to give an account. I just want to just pose this question. If the owner, God, called you to give an account this morning of your life, the way you're stewarding your resources, the way you're stewarding your time, the way you're stewarding your bank account, the way you're stewarding your family, the way you're stewarding your home, whatever it may be, what would that sit down be like? Would you be pumped? Would you be excited? I know when, I, when I'm doing a great job, I'm so excited to go to board meetings. My guys, <laughs> listen to what we did this month. Not on the flip side, if I know things are a little bit in disarray, I'm not as excited to go to that meeting because I have to give an account for the things that we've done. We all will at some point have to give an account for ourselves and the things that we have done. We need to think about how we're spending our resources for Christ and his kingdom because those things should impact eternity. Everything that we call ours is actually his. Everything. And, and my prayer is that we will, that, that we do properly manage everything that he's entrusted to us as a church, as individuals. And I'm not doing all this simply because we want your money. We established that earlier I want to teach through these things because it's a subject that Jesus taught about all the time. And the Western church largely doesn't talk about it because we don't talk about money. Can't talk about money. It makes us, makes us uncomfortable. And if things make us uncomfortable, obviously that's not a good thing. 
A lot of you are uncomfortable right now. You know why? Not because of my message, but because you guys started working out for the first time since January of 2019. Uncomfort is a good thing. It grows us. It grows us spiritually. We need to recognize that the way in which we steward our lives is a direct reflection of our spiritual maturity in Christ. That's a big underline there. The way we steward our lives is a direct reflection of our spiritual maturity in Christ. If someone came to me and asked me uh, what they needed to do to grow closer to God this year, and a great response, I would never do it because I'm a chicken, but a great response would be, hey, show me your bank account. Show me your calendar on your phone. Where are you serving? Those are good questions because those questions really speak to your maturity in Christ. I mean, God tells us that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so if that's the case, hey, if your treasure, if you're spending all your time, it's gonna be hard for some of you to hear. If you're spending all of your time with your family and that's your main priority is your family, guess what? That's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. That's called, that's an idol. Maybe, maybe your bank account, man, you have, you have stored up so much money in your bank account. Good on you. I am so glad you're a part of our church. But you've stored up so much money in your bank account. But then we look through the transactions, and man, you know what? You haven't given a single penny to anybody else except you and yours. That's poor stewardship. God calls us to more than that. God calls us to generosity. That's where your heart is. Church, what would it look like if instead of building our own little kingdoms as large as we could, as, you know, as long as we, or if we decided that, that bigger wasn't necessarily better, that, you know what, hey, I have, I have this wonderful home, but I'm not happy with the layout of the kitchen, and so we're going to sell that home and get something bigger. Or I've got this great job that I love doing, but, you know, it would be nice to have a little bit extra at the end of the month. So I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm not saying these things are bad things inherently. They're good things. You want a new kitchen? Go get a new kitchen. You want a new job? Go get your new job. But if all we're doing is taking those things and deciding that these are going to be my things and we are not living a generous life, we're stewarding our lives poorly. Man, go be a millionaire. And be a millionaire so you can give it away. I'm a firm believer in the fact that God has put people on this earth to, to, to just make money hand over fist so that they can give it away hand over fist. Man, some of you, you get, your spiritual gift is hospitality and you just love like being with people. God bless you. I can't. But if, if you are only stewarding just your family and not being generous with that spiritual gift, man, you're not stewarding well. I'm not saying don't be with your family. Be with your family and then give away your time. God blessed you with that. God blessed you with the ability to just sit and be with people. Great. Steward it well. But what would it look like if we were simply obedient to God's call on our lives? 
And not just with our stuff, not just with what God has blessed us with, but also the fact that God has blessed us with being able to be in relationship with him. He's blessed us with it. So how are you stewarding that? How are you stewarding that time? How are you stewarding the information that you have regarding God? Are you giving it away? Are you holding on tightly to it because it's yours? This is a private matter. We don't talk about these things. We don't talk about religion. How are we stewarding those things? So in just a second, as is our tradition on the first Sunday of the month, we're going to go to the uh, communion table. We're going to receive communion today. And so I'll invite uh, Kyle back up on stage. Uh, if you're serving communion today, you can make your way to the back. Um, but as we, as we partake in communion, the whole, the whole idea of communion is to have introspection and remember what it is that God did for us and who it is that we're supposed to be obedient to. And so we're supposed to not only steward our spiritual lives well by investing in God, by spending time with God, but we are also supposed to steward all of those other blessings that we have received from God well. And so as you are communing with God today, I want you to wrestle with the question, if I sat down with the owner today, what would that meeting feel like? Am I doing a good job? Am I stewarding well? Or should I be living more generously with the blessings that he's given me? When it comes to communion, you don't have to be a, a member of our church in order to partake in communion. All we would ask is that uh, you are a follower of Christ, that you have professed faith in Christ and are acting as such. Um, there's uh, two cups that are stacked up in the trays as they pass. Make sure you grab both, both of those cups. Uh, on, on the bottom one, there is bread. On the top one, there's juice. And uh, as they pass, we will partake in communion together. Um, as they're passing, we'll play a song. Feel free to sing. Feel free to simply commune with God and be quiet, whatever it is that you need to do in order to ask yourself that question, what am I doing? How am I stewarding my relationship with God? Am I being obedient to that or am I being disobedient? At the end of communion, we'd ask that you just pass your cups to the center so our ushers can go ahead and pick them up. But we're going to pray and then we're going to serve communion. So bow with me. Heavenly Father, stewardship, oh man. God, will we expand that definition of what it means to be a good steward, that we get out of our heads that it's not just about our money, that it's about our blessings, whether it be our home, our car, our time, our family, or maybe most importantly, God, the information that we have regarding you. Wherever it is, that we land, God, I just, I pray that you would burn it into our hearts that we are called to be good stewards with all of those things. That this wouldn't be a guilt trip. This wouldn't be thinking, oh, the pastor says I need to give more. That we would recognize, God, that this is between us and you. and how we steward our things, how we steward our blessings has a direct correlation to the spiritual maturity that we have in you. So God, allow us this time to be, just be introspective. 
God, I'd also pray that if there's anybody in here who doesn't yet know you, says, you know what, I want to steward my time for God with this information that I have. I want to say yes to Jesus with heads still bowed, eyes still closed. You would just pray along with me the ABCs that, A, I would admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That I know that, that man, I mess up every single day. And it's beyond just stewardship. It's just with my entire life, my, my, my thought life, everything. And I'm a sinner. And I admit that. And B, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And C, that I would choose to follow him every day. And Father, not just for new believers, but for all of us in this room that recognizing that as we choose to follow God every single day, as we choose to follow you every single day, that comes with an obedience to you as the owner. God, show us how to be better managers. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.